welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Yardina Asban, here with my friend, Chavruta Aaron Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachet Kedubot, DAP, Lamed Bet, page 32. Well, today's DAP really is the beginning or a deep dive into a very extensive machlokas uh, between Ula and Rabbi Yochanan and trying to solve a contradiction that is brought up at the bottom of Lamed Aleph. So I'm actually going to start from Lamed Aleph right at the bottom to sort of set up what's going on here. So the Gemara begins by quoting the part of the mission that says, Habal Aviv, right? Where it tells us that somebody who uh, rapes his sister or his father's sister or his mother's sister or his wife's sister or his brother's wife or his father's brother's wife after they divorce or a, a woman who is a nida, there's a fine that has to be paid. And then the Gemara goes ahead and quotes a uh, Mishnah that appears in Makot and Daf Yud Gimel Amad Aleph 13a, Uraminhu, Elohen Halokin. These are ones who get lashes. And basically, it gives the same list as our Mishnah. Um, so the contradiction here is that basically, um, that in our Mishnah, it seems to say that you just pay a fine. And this Mishnah in Mako says that basically you have to, um, you you get malkut, you get lashes. Then the Gemara in the top of our dab actually says, right? We know that we have this principle that one would not get malkut and also have to pay, right? Um, but the question here is, is that if we know that that's the case, then why would he pay a fine at all? In other words, let him just get Malkut. So it basically now starts is a whole discussion first with Ula and later with Rabbi Yochanan trying to resolve this machloka between why does the halacha and our Mishnah seem to be in these cases uh, that um, you, know, you only have to pay a fine and why in the Mishnah in Makos does it seem that you actually get lashes? Now, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this DAP because the case that it's discussing is horrific. And I got stuck doing the Ula piece and got the easier part <laughs> of doing Rabbi Yochanan. Um, you know, Ula is essentially going to go through a series of different explanations to try to explain how the cases are different to referring, which is a classic Gemara thing, right? In other words, this Mishnah refers to this type of set of circumstances, and this Mishnah refers to this type of set of circumstances, right? So what he's saying here is, is that the the halach and the Mishnah here, right, right, is that it's it's talking about a sister who's a young woman, and in that case, our Mishnah, you pay a fine and you're not going to get malgud. The case in in Makot, kan is talking about a sister who's a grown woman, uh, who's an adult, and you would not pay a fine. So then the Gemara wants to go through that and says, Right? So isn't there also that he should have to pay? Uh, he says, no, but there should be a fine, actually, the Gemara says, because also he should pay for Boshet and Pagan. Um, so this is going to get into a couple of other things here. Uh, later on in the Gemara that, you know, I'm not going to totally go through, um, but uh, sorry, so let me just back up. So that's sort of their first, uh, the first way that go on to say that actually Ula has, that maybe there are cases where you could pay money and also receive lashes, okay? 
um, and he compares this to the case of Chovel Bechabero, right? Somebody who actually injures, uh, who injures somebody else. Um, and so that's sort of the first setup that they do here. And they do this with the Midrash, you know, by uh, looking at the Pesukim about somebody who actually is Chovel Bechabero, quoting this Pasuk from Devarim, uh, Lamed Hay, um, uh, Pasuk Gimel. Now, again, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit here. The other thing that I want to point out here is, is when it talks about Chobah B'chavero, it raises this question. It says, So it says here that somebody who injures another, he's liable for five types of injury. So I'm not going to get into a lot of detail about this, but this is the first time we've seen this in Dafyomi. Once we get into Nizikin, once we get into the third Seder, a lot of what gets talked about is Nizikin is basically damages. And when we damage something, okay, there's different, I, I mean, think we have this in the American court system. Uh, there are different things that you would have to pay for. So it's the actual injury. It's the pain. It's medical costs. It's loss of, of, of actually work. And it's also bullshit. It's the humiliation. So I just want to point this out that we, start, we see a discussion about this. They don't name what the five categories are. I'm not going to spend time today going through those five categories because we will have plenty of time when we get to Seder Nizikin to go through those. But uh, essentially what happens here in this staff is, is that the uh, Mishnah is going to go through, sorry, the Gemara is going to go through a bunch of different options of how Ula can essentially uh, try to work this uh, type of thing out. Like, and it does it in a few different ways. One is, is by saying, what's the actual case here, right? What's the difference between the two different Mishnahs? And then also trying to uh, work out here um, this, this inference that we have of Ula, that he says that um, if somebody has to pay and also has to get Malkut, he pays and he doesn't get Malkut. And that's a very, very long discussion that they go through. I'm not going to read the whole thing because that would basically be reading half of the staff here uh, that they learned from Chovel B'chavero. Uh, they also bring in Adim Zomamin. So again, I think the other thing to notice here is <clears throat> sort of the breadth of different uh, sort of halachic discussions or concepts that gets brought up just to understand the single opinion of Ula. And then Ahmed Bet, which Anne is going to take over on, uh, is uh, you know going to go through Rabbi Yochanan's way of trying to resolve uh, this contradiction. So I don't know if I did a good job of this because I tried to give it sort of more of an overview as opposed to going through the actual words of the Gemara itself. Um, but I think, you know, because you can really get sort of caught up in the each specific case that gets brought to sort of answer or reject a piece of what Ula's trying to do here. But that's really the overview piece of like what's going on in the staff here. We have a machlokas between our Mishnah and a Mishnah and Makos. Ula has one version of how to solve it, but it's, again, it's predicated on this premise of Ula, uh, of, um, uh, of uh, you know, of uh, Mamon, right? Kol hecha deika Mamon umakos, Mamon mishamim. That if there's Mamon and Makos involved, we're always just going to do Mamon. We're just going to pay Mamon. So it's kind of interesting, I think, that we want to say that this is almost the opposite, right, of the Kimle bin Darabamine principle, which says, you know, if you did two things at once, if you did, if you have two punishments from the one action, right, and let's say you violate Shabbat and that's a, a current offense, and 
in but what you did was stealing something let's say so now you have to pay the kfl you have to pay the double to you know to compensate for your for your thievery but we're going to exempt you from the lighter of the two punishments because you've done this one act here ula's position right seems to be so you're gonna we're gonna go with mamo and we're gonna have you pay rather than get malco the flogging um which is you know technically nicer right like it's a it seems less less of an extreme punishment um Rabbi Yochanan takes a different approach okay so what happens here is right as I'm now at the top of mm, three lines down to, um two lines down no three from I'm a bet um Amar so what happens he says even if you say that both of those Mishnayot, the Mishnayot your that you've just talked about are talking about his sister as na'ara, meaning right that that's one way you could kind of readdress readdress these two mishnayot. They say that this is a case where there was, in fact, warning. Right? So that the one case is where there were witnesses that warned him, and therefore he gets the makot. Right? The rapist gets flogged, um, and the case where he did not have any warning. So without any warning, you can't really you can't really get the capital punishment. So so he pays a fine, right? Meaning it's a different way of looking at it. Instead of saying, um, we're going to give you the monetary punishment, such as it is, right? Instead of the flogging, he says, well, no, they were two different cases. And the parameters of the of the case, let's say, were different. And therefore, the punishment is going to be different because they couldn't, you know, uh, uphold the flogging for the second guy. Uh, second guy, right? For the case where there's no warning. Then the Gemara goes on. So the Gemara says, well, maybe we can make a general rule from this as well, where we're going to make it kind of like a broader state, uh, you know, extend the Rabbi Yochan's position in distinguishing between these two Mishnayot to make it a general rule, namely, any time that you have uh, an act that incurs both a monetary fine and also Malko lashes, and there was warning, then you would get Malko and you wouldn't pay. Maybe, maybe that's his position. And then the Gemara wants to know, how does he know that? How does he get to this principle? So the Gemara suggests that he's taking it from the verse, because there's this verse in, in Devarim, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, where it says, according to the amount of the wickedness of the person, right? What does that mean, according to the amount? Or according to the wickedness, right? You, we, this is, again, another one of these, like, Gemara catchphrases of principles of how to apply the law, so that we say, you know, when you've done one act, meaning you're going to get one punishment, namely, you're going to get one punishment for one act, not two punishments for one act. So if this one act got you a punishment officially of both mamon, property, uh, paying money, and also lashes, you're still only going to end up with getting one punishment because you've only done the one act, meaning physically you've only done one act. And it um, lines up, this whole rationale lines up with a verse, which is literally the next verse in Devarim, where it says, um, you'll give him 40 lashes, meaning the punishment, if, you, if, you, if everything is in place, 
Namely, you have an event. The person did a crime. I don't know, perpetrated an act in which you have both a, prop, a, a monetary penalty and also incurs lashes. And you have witnesses and they gave warning, right? All the details are in place to allow for corporal punishment. Then according to the way the verses are juxtaposed, the fact that it has, you know, Kidevi Chateau, according to the wickedness, we're only going to give you one, one punishment for one act. And then 40 lashes is the next verse. So give him lashes, right? Like there now Rabbi Yochanan has, you know, verses to rely upon to come up with an opinion that doesn't quite always prioritize mammon, right? It says, if anything, I would suggest that it even prioritizes flogging when all the details can be fulfilled. You know, when you can tick all the boxes to say, yes, yes, we're allowed to require flogging in this case. Um, okay, and then the Gemara, I'm gonna just, you know, also, as you're doing, as you said, like this, that if we could get into all of the details here, I just wanna note that what happens is, the Gemara goes on to talk about more other cases Again, what if somebody injures another person? Somebody who injures another person. And then you've got, again, there's a situation of liability for monetary uh, fine and also for lashes. And what happens if you did pay the money, but you're not flogged, you didn't get lashes? Like, does that mean that by definition, you weren't, the guy wasn't forewarned? What ha- like there's, you can come up with lots of, you know, use your Gemara thumbs to come up with lots of different per- permutations of how this principle might actually not be put into place, you know, depending on the terms that were that were there. Um, one of the examples as the goes on, you know, what's the value of the amount of damage caused that theoretically is causing uh, a monetary fine? And if it's so little, then would you really get flogged for that kind of little damage? This is, you know, again, this is the the essence of where the Gemara goes to talk about the possibilities of these different cases. I think, though, that the crux of it, and I think, your Dana, this was your point as well, that the crux of it is the distinction between Ula and Rabbi Yochanan with regard to um, which kind of punishment is going to be prioritized, right? Is it a matter of, you know, let's go back to property, to Mamon, to the extent possible, or are we going to make sure that lashes take place, except for if they, you know, you've got a technicality, so you can't go through with it. I think that's a great way to say what's going on. And I think the other thing, uh, you know, that I like here is, is that their approaches are very different. Ula, I would say, is sort of the more classic case of saying, you know, classic resolution, which is, no, one is just talking about this case. One mission is talking about that case, and there's, you know, a, and then you get a different halacha. Rabbi Yochanan's like a little bit more, I don't know if I want to use the word sophisticated in a way, but he's bringing in that whole extra layer of something that we see in the Torah that is not always talked about explicitly, but like the issue of forewarning, right? Like, when and how do you warn somebody? We're going to see more of this on tomorrow's staff, so that's why I'm particularly taken by Rabbi Yochanan's opinion, and I was so nice, Anne, because I let you do it. But <laughs> but we're going to see a little bit more about it tomorrow, about like Adam's own name. And like, when would you actually warn them? Like, how does warning actually work? Um, so I don't know. There's something about Rabbi Yochanan's opinion that was that I just thought was really sophisticated in a very interesting way. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. 
Let us know what you thought about this stop on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.